Hello and welcome to the DFS Coach Talk podcast. This is the show for Thursday, April 16th, 2020. I am Andrew Hansen. Happy to be joined by Leighton Wilson. And we are actually recording this on Wednesday night, April 15th. So this is still Jackie Robinson Day. And it's a bit of a day-night doubleheader for me, Leighton, because earlier today I recorded the Wednesday show with Andy Gallagher. And tonight I'm pumped to do this late night podcast for the Thursday show as we're going to break down the Cardinals and the Dodgers. So, uh, Leighton, I know you're out in the Midwest, close to St. Louis. How are we doing out there today? Oh, we're doing good, man. Uh, I'm just relaxing. Uh, been home from work for a while now. And, uh, yeah, just uh, had some crappy weather, honestly. Uh, took my dog out this morning uh, to some uh, snow out there, so I, that was not very enjoyable. Yeah, it's kind of funny uh, that we're going to be breaking down the Dodgers and the Cardinals today because they were supposed to play today in the real Major League Baseball action. And one, I guess one small benefit of having to wait for the season to start is we don't have these early weather games in April with bad weather. And I'm up in the Northeast, so I'm used to it. But we're going to get nothing but hot weather, whether it's down in Florida or Arizona or or a mixture of the two. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, hopefully they uh, can get everything sorted out. And, you know, like you said, if if it's down in those locations, they should have no problem with, you know, having having good weather. Yeah, and, and we've been talking here in these recent podcasts, everything seems to be trending in the right direction for people getting to be, I'll say, cautiously optimistic that we can get back on the field of play here, hopefully late spring, early summer. And here at DFS Coach Talk, we're just grinding away here, two major league baseball teams per episode. And we're having a lot of fun at DFS Coach Talk, aren't we, aren't we, Leighton, with uh, – some daily contests in Discord, and we're, we're trying to stay sharp. Yeah, for sure. Uh, baseball we do four days a week. I believe that's Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, we do an NBA contest seven days a week, and then, of course, our big NFL contest on Sundays. Yeah, that's right. So if you, um, you want to join the fun – uh, you can go to DFSCoachTalk.com, pick up one of our memberships, weekly, monthly, yearly, and whatever you choose, that will go on hold as we wait for the one of the big sports to get back in action here, whether that's baseball or basketball. And for the folks who've been listening to some of these early podcasts, some things we so, sometimes we'll break down some of these players based on their simulation strategy, simulation salary uh, as we strategize about the regular season. And I just want to point out that some of these things we're doing are are starting to pay off. A guy that I uh, recommended from Arizona, Christian Walker, I made a point that he had a really surprising home run rate as a right-handed hitter against right-handed pitchers. And at only 2,600, I thought he was a good value play. Sure enough, I played him tonight in our contest, Leighton, 2,600. And he went two for four with a bomb. So uh, we're trying to get our listeners um, some really useful information. I mean, using the information for these simulations is one thing. But really, we're just trying to get folks geared up for the regular season so that they're fully on top of 
guys to target and guys to avoid, whether it's the, the hitters or the pitchers. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you love to see that uh, a little simulation home run there for you. Um, but yeah, it's been a lot of fun, man. And, uh, you know, in Discord, we talk every day about everybody's different lineups. What was a good stack? Um, I know that some of the Chicago White Sox there, Mikado and Abreu and even a little Tim Anderson, I've stacked them a couple times and, and they've done great for me. So it's kind of, you know, it's a it's a different thing to look at with it being a simulation, but also, you know, those guys kind of catch your eye and you know, uh, you know, who to look to, uh, when the season actually gets here. Absolutely. And we certainly, we certainly look for power. And before we get going on the Cardinals late, I got to take a minute for a, a personal message to my nephew, Tuck. It's his birthday on Thursday, April 16th. He's a slugger. He's a left-handed hitter, um, a huge baseball fan. So fun to think about, his power swing um, as an uncle, you know, I was tossing him the ball with the wiffle bat and he would just crush it. So um, it's just fun to see the different generations of, of baseball lovers. And um, once again, I want to recognize Jackie Robinson um, and just a, just a beautiful thing, this game that we have and can't wait to get it up and running again. So let's, let's jump right in here. We're beginning our two game, two team breakdowns in the national league. And Leighton, you get to break down the St. Louis Cardinals for us. You are close by to them, and uh, you have a nice, nice pulse on what to look for with this squad. So, why don't you uh, take it away and, and give us some, some, you know, some, some broad thoughts on the pitching staff? Yeah. Uh, well, first, I'm going to just uh, touch on kind of how last year ended for them, uh, sure. where they ended up in the playoffs. Uh, they finished 20 games above 500. That's uh, 91 and 71. Uh, they moved past the Atlanta Braves in the divisional series. Um, but when they got to the NLCS, they met a red-hot Washington National squad that swept them in four games, which was, uh, you know, as a Cardinals fan, super fun to watch, super enjoyable. Yeah, I mean, right. <laughs> I was super happy during that whole process. Um, but no, I mean, that was one of those things where, you know, you just tip your cap to that team and they were obviously the better team and kind of the team of destiny to, to make it, you know, a lot deeper than the Cardinals were. Um, and the Cardinals, you know, uh, speaking playoff wise, they've had these trends the last, you know, five to 10 years where they make these playoff runs or, you know, mid season close to all-star break, you know, it's kind of, uh, you don't know what's going to happen with them. They're really inconsistent. And then these last 20 games of the season, they'll just break out and make a playoff run. And it's kind of crazy that it, they do that consistently. But, um, you know, I guess that's what it takes to have a, a, a winning team. Yeah, you know, I've got to I got to stop you there for a second, because I liked what you said there about just tipping your cap to them. And I learned firsthand a ways back that the St. Louis baseball fan is really one of a kind. So I, I grew up in the Northeast and I was a fan. I was always a fan of the, the Boston Red Sox and the Kansas city Royals. And so a couple of friends and I went out to St. Louis back in 04 when the Red Sox were looking to break the curse and get that first world series. And I was in the stadium for game four when they won it. And we were over by third base, and the fans over there, the home St. Louis fans, were congratulating us as Red Sox fans, letting us go down close and take their seats 
I mean, it was just incredible. You, you, you're just not going to get that sort of hospitality around the league and in other places. Like, I mean, imagine somebody doing that in the in the Red Sox Yankees rivalry. It just would not happen. <laughs> so uh, I'll thank you along with all those other fans. Um, just a really special place to go watch a game. Guys who just guys and you know guys and gals who just love the game and really respect uh, the opponent. Yeah, I, honestly, I think I can speak on that. Uh, I think that's kind of a Midwest thing. Uh, I always hear people, you know, speak on that, which, of course, of course your Yankees and Red Sox uh, uh, pitch there was pretty funny because everybody knows none of that would ever occur. <laughs> so, <Right. laughs> but yeah, I mean, I guess it gets a little fiery uh, when it comes to, you know, the Cards-Cubs rivalry and and stuff like that. But yeah, I would say for the most part, uh, St. Louis fans are super passionate. I know when the Rams got moved out of St. Louis, uh, it hurt a lot of people's feelings. Uh, people were truthfully hurt. Um, so yeah, I think, I think there's definitely a fiery passion here in the Midwest, uh, especially like you speak on or, you know, spoke on with me. I live an hour and a half North of St. Louis. Um, that's the closest professional sports that we have. Uh, is our St. Louis Blues and St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, so, you know, it's a, it's kind of a strong fan base around here. Um, so, yeah, it's a lot of fun, and I'm sure, you know, you guys really enjoyed that. Uh, but anyways, to jump in here, uh, we're going to start off with the starting rotation, or at least the projected starting rotation for this upcoming season. Uh, we'll go from top to bottom here. At one, we have Jack Flaherty. Two, Carlos Martinez. Three, Dakota Hudson. Four, Adam Wainwright. And five is the newly acquired Kim. Uh, I believe they picked him up from the Japanese League. Uh, he pitched really well over there the last couple years. I believe he was an all-star. Um, so I guess we'll get to see, you know, what he's made of this year. Uh, to touch on Flaherty, uh, I think he's easily the most – uh, comfortable pitcher to go to uh, from a DFS standpoint and even as a fan uh, for me watching him last year uh, last year he had a breakout year had a great year uh, had a two 2.75 ERA um, he went 11 and 8 and uh, something I was going to touch on uh, Cardinals overall as a pitching staff were fifth in the league in overall pitching uh, statistics but in hitting for the team, they were in the bottom third. I believe they were fourth or fifth from last. And that kind of speaks on some of these guys' win and loss records as starting pitchers. And, you know, that can get super frustrating as a starting pitcher. You're going out there and giving your squad six or seven innings and only allowing one or two runs, and, and they really just can't get something across the plate for you. Uh, you know, that can get super frustrating. But uh, for the most part, like I said, Flaherty, those kind of guys – uh, they stayed on top of it, uh, kept pitching hard all the way through the end of the season, and you know that's why they end up being a 20 games about 500 there. Um, me and you were talking earlier about Martinez, of course. Uh, he's, you know, through his career, he's dealt with injuries. He's also dealt with a lot of consistency issues, um, whether that's mental or physical. He's actually back this year and they're looking to plug him into the rotation because of miles michaelis uh he's having some forearm issues um they're not really sure it's more of a two to be determined for michaelis there um of course michaelis had to 
down year last year after his first year with the Cardinals pitched phenomenal. And, uh, you know, we'll look to see what that brings uh, with Michaelis getting healthy. Uh, does that move Martinez back into the bullpen or, you know, does that keep, uh, do they keep him if he's pitching well and Michaelis moves the bullpen? I mean, that's, you know, that's kind of up in the air from, from uh, that standpoint. Um, but yeah, I mean, for the rest of the starting rotation there, Dakota Hudson, he's a young gun, uh, great sinker pitcher, um, which is kind of crazy to touch on him a little bit there. Uh, he's actually really struggled with giving up home runs. And, you know, Andrew, for the most part, sinker, sinker pitchers are known for getting ground balls and getting double plays. That's right. So, yeah, I mean, that's to me, that's obviously a control issue. Uh, if you're putting that sinker down at that bottom third of the plate, not a lot of guys are going to be able to lift that ball up and get that out. Uh, so that's something he has to work on. But again, he shows a lot of potential. And then, like I said, rounding out four and five, you have Wainwright, who's been, you know, a staple in the Cardinals organization for years, uh, whether it was a closer uh, helping him win a World Series or, uh, you know, a starter that he's uh, been in that rotation in the last six, seven years. Um He's just a great guy. He does a lot for the St. Louis community. Um, but again, age is age is a you know a sucker, and uh, that that'll be kind of his uh, um, you know maybe his weakness or his strength. Uh, he throws a lot of different pitches. Um, I don't know if he's the type of guy. Uh, you know, they've already touched on you and Andy touched on that the fact that they might run a six-man starting rotation. Um, right. So I think. That's something the Cardinals could definitely look to, especially if you get Michaelis back there uh, to kind of give Wainwright uh, maybe, you know, an innings restriction or just kind of keep him healthy, especially if you're playing well and want to make a deep run. Um, or even, you know, they had talks about moving Wainwright into the bullpen to have, you know, he was a closer when he first started. He was a relief pitcher. He has that experience. I mean, he has simply a champ championship mentality. Uh, and then have a guy that throws, you know, seven or eight different pitches coming out of your bullpen. I mean, as a hitter, you got to, you know, that's that's hard to guess what he's going to throw at you there. Yeah, you're right. Most relievers really focus in on one or two pitches, and that could be a nice edge for him. But, yeah, what a, what a reliable veteran, a guy who's 38 now, and last year he still managed to make 31 starts. Yeah, I mean, exactly. He's always kind of been an iron man for the Cardinals there. Uh, never really had a lot of injuries or dealt with anything like that. Uh, always been consistent. And like I said, he's kind of like that uh, That Chris Carpenter. Uh, I would say Chris Carpenter, you know, was before him. Uh, you, they've always had these one or two starting pitchers that were just, you know, like I said, a staple in the organization. Uh, somebody a lot of people look up to the community looks up to and and that's you know that's something great to great to have in general um but yeah to move on like i said the last starter here is kim uh we uh card the cardinals acquired him this uh winter um and uh yeah i mean as, as far as you know i've looked and seen uh he looks solid i don't know uh i know when they first acquired him they talked about the Cardinals acquiring this uh, Japanese 
prospect, I started looking into him and I was like, man, that's awesome. You know, his, his numbers are pretty solid. I mean, that's great that they're getting a good young guy. Well, then you look and he's actually 31 years old, right? It's, uh, you know, I mean, he's, he could still be in his prime for sure. But, you know, when you think prospect, or at least for me, when I think prospect, I'm thinking 22, 23 years old. And I was like, you know, what, a, what another great uh, piece to add in there to the rotation with Flaherty and Hudson. Um, but then to find out he was already over 30. But, yeah, I mean, we'll definitely see what he has to offer. Uh, I don't really have a lot of information on him. I just know that he pitched well. Uh, yeah, I pulled the, up his stats here while you were talking about the front end of the rotation. And uh, so I'll, I'll throw those in here. He went 136 and 77 in his career over there with a 3.27 ERA. Last two years, he was under three. And let's see here. Strikeouts per nine, uh, 8.6 and 8.5 the last two years. And then he is off to a good start. He was off to a good start in spring training here. And he's pitched more innings than most. He uh, let's check that. He has gone eight innings, but he hasn't allowed any earned runs. Has struck out 11. He got the win. So uh, nice start for him. Uh, small sample size, but um, something we'll talk about later here when we get to the Dodgers. Um, you know, when a pitcher starts facing a new group of hitters, I think he he usually has the strong advantage because they've never seen his stuff up close and personal. So um, he might be a guy to target early in the season and hope that he gets off to a hot start and he's got hitters off balance because they just haven't gotten a chance to see him yet. Yeah, exactly. I mean, film and then obviously just facing a pitcher is a, is a huge thing as a hitter. Uh, you know that guy's tendencies, you know what he throws, um, all that kind of stuff there. So, yeah, I mean, he would definitely be someone we could we could look into targeting or maybe see if he gets a couple good starts under his belt. Like you said, spring training, uh, small sample, sample size, uh, especially, you know, for everybody in this case. Um, but, yeah, I don't know if you remember – the man that goes by Michael Waka. Uh, yeah. He, <laughs> when he when he first got into the league or when he first made his appearance for the Cardinals, he was on absolute fire. I mean, he was throwing shutouts and just complete games left and right because, simply put, like you said, no one really knew about him. Um, and he had good stuff. And when someone has good stuff and you don't know about that, I mean, that's that's a hard thing to deal with when you're hitting. Yeah, absolutely. But, so uh, nice, uh, nice summary there on those pitchers. Um, do you want to touch on the bullpen at all? Yeah, bullpen wise, of course, uh, Jordan Hicks last season actually went in and had Tommy John surgery. Uh, me and you were sitting there talking about that and how he, uh, you know, they said if anything, he'd be back by the all star break, possibly or could even miss the whole season. Um, obviously, that's a huge hit for the Cardinals. Uh, he's made a big impact since he's been there. Um, he was 14 for 15 in saves last year before being injured, which obviously is a great rate. Uh, he throws a 102-mile-per-hour fastball. Um, I don't know if you've necessarily seen him throw much, but that – Yeah, could- a little bit. And I, I want to ask you about that because sometimes when pitchers get – Tommy John, they come back throwing even harder. I mean, is this guy going to be just a complete 
just crazy man throwing like 105? I'm going to guess, you know, Yachty and, and Kisner back there are hoping not because uh, <laughs> they might have to get some, you know, extra padded gloves or something. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, just speaking on Hicks here, I mean, that kid has crazy movement, and I couldn't even imagine or fathom trying to hit something like that, something coming in at, uh, I believe even his slider comes in at 98 or 99. So, I mean, could you imagine something starting, you know, inside on you and breaking eight inches across the plate going 99 miles per hour? No, I mean, that's, that's the definition of dirty right there. Yeah, I mean, absolute filth that he throws. And, uh, yeah, that'll be a big piece. Uh, we touched on Martinez earlier. Uh, last year he saved 24 out of his 27 opportunities. And also the veteran Andrew Miller there saved six of his 11 opportunities. Those were, you know, most of the save opportunities went to Martinez and Miller there. Um, obviously, uh, Martinez starts in the in the starting rotation at the beginning of this season coming up. Uh, so that's a big question mark there, too. Um, you know, who gets those uh, closes? Um, is it the young gun Gallegos? Uh, do they go with a uh, veteran and Miller or maybe uh, Brabia, Gant, one of those uh, veteran guys that, you know, have that experience? Or do they let a, a, a young guy get a shot and see what he can do in that kind of setting? Yeah, and so the nice thing is with some of these teams – like you're describing with guys who we're not sure here on April 15th, whether they're going to be in the starting rotation, they're going to come out of the bullpen. We've got some time to sort this out. Um, and then hopefully we'll have a couple weeks of, you know, the second spring, t- second spring training, if you will, for these guys to get back in shape and some of this lineup stuff to get sorted out. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we'll at, like, just like we are now, we're using this time to, prepare and you know get a little something uh inserted into our head about you know each team and who to watch and then from there we'll you know we'll have to keep sharpening up and and just go from there but uh to transition into uh the actual batting lineup i'm going to read it from first to eighth of course ninth is your pitching spot here in the nl uh we don't get the, the leisure of having a dh so I'm going to go one through eight here and uh, go back and touch on some of these guys and their prices. So to lead off, we have Colton Wong, second, Matt Carpenter, third, Paul Goldschmidt, fourth, Paul DeYoung, fifth, Yadier Molina, sixth, Dexter Fowler, seven, Tommy Edmond, and eight, Harrison Bader. So, Andrew, I'm going to go back and just kind of touch on these guys. Uh, sure. Throw a couple stats at you from each of them and then kind of my personal preference. Yeah. Colton Wong, first off, I know we're talking about the batting order, but if you haven't got to watch that man play second base, I feel sorry for you. He <laughs> is easily in the game today. I would say he's a top three defensive second baseman, and I would easily put him in top 25 for the history of the game. I mean, the the plays this guy makes is absolutely insane. I know that sounds really biased coming from a Cardinals fan, but I've heard it from plenty of non-Cardinals fans. Uh <laughs> He's just phenomenal at that spot, man. And uh, I actually remember watching the MLB draft, which I don't know why I was, but that was back uh, when I was a little younger. Me and my buddy were actually hanging out uh, in my basement and watching the draft, and he got drafted. We we remember seeing Colton Wong get drafted. 
and we kind of watched some film on him and like, oh, this, you know, this guy looks pretty interesting. Well, turns out, you know, he's he's actually really interesting when it comes to the defensive side of the ball. Um, offensively, he's very streaky, always has been uh, from the, you know, the good old eye test that coach preaches on. Uh, I've always seen, you know, he he really overextends on his swing. He He tries too much a lot which, you know, getting in your later 20s, that's that's not necessarily uh, a good thing because most guys kind of figure out what they're, what they're capable of, uh, you know, in that 24 to 26 range. Uh, and then in that later 20s, you know, this is really when you want to be hitting your stride. Um, but, yeah, I don't – the actually – they coined the uh, saying, oh, the Wong ball. <laughs> that was a big thing back in the playoffs. I mean, they had shirts and foam fingers and everything like that, which is a fun time to watch him. But yeah, to touch on last year, uh, 285 with 11 home runs, 59 RBIs. Um, so not, you know, not horrible, but not great. Uh, definitely want more production there. Um, obviously, trending, trending in the right direction though, right? Career high in home run, or almost a career high in home runs, career high batting average, and career high slugging and 25 doubles to go along with those 11 home runs. So, yeah, I agree. He definitely take, takes a long swing and really tries to go, go the distance a lot of the times, but at least he's trending in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. That's a that's a great thing to see, and I appreciate you dropping those on me, Andrew. Um, but, yeah, uh, especially from a leadoff guy or a guy you definitely want uh, leading off your team, uh, you love to see that production, and then, you know, you get those uh, – extra base hits from a leadoff guy, you're starting off an inning hot. Absolutely. Um, so to move on, we have uh, Matt Carpenter in the second spot. Carpenter, uh, very mixed emotions about him. Uh, you know, he's kind of been a staple in the in the Cardinals organization for a while now. He uh, He's always been a great guy around the community also. Um, but these last couple of years have been really down for him. Uh and I guess, you know, you say I say down to him because uh, his standards and, you know, what he's shown us, it, it definitely seems down to others. Maybe not so much. Uh, he hit 226 last year, 15 home runs, uh, 46 RBIs. So really not what we looked for. Uh, I I would say I'd have to go back and look. Um, but years prior. Uh, he had a lot better years, um, not necessarily average wise. He's kind of been a 250 to 270 hitter most of his career. Um, but home run wise, power wise, uh, if you go back to 2018, he had 36 the year before that, 23, 21, 28. So, you know, 15 home runs compared to 36 the previous year and having 46 RBIs compared to. 81 and 70 the previous years, you know, that's, that's quite a bit of a downfall there for you. Um, again, some of it comes with age. Um, but yeah, hopefully he can get back to, to that production because I mean, really when you look at a lineup, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, Andrew, but you're, I mean, one in two spots, you're looking, uh, for high production, a lot of, uh, on base percentage there. And, uh, that's what you want to, uh, set those three and four hitters up. Yeah, Carpenter is really an enigma for me. I just can't quite figure out why he had such a drop-off because I've I became accustomed to knowing him as a 20 home run guy. And you're right, you want 
a much better on base percentage at that two hole. And I think they've got to have faith that he's going to get back into that form. I mean, he's a career 372 on base guy and last year's down at 334. So they really need him to bounce back. Yeah, absolutely. And you, and you have a, you know, a lot of young guys filling in here, starting to kind of filter into the big leagues and, you know, they need those, uh, those veterans to look up to and, and, you know, teach them how to, how to play the game. So hopefully he's one of those guys. Uh, I know they have him through the next couple of years. Uh, so he'll be around. There was a lot of rumors flying around about him getting shipped out and then making a bunch of moves to uh, acquire Arenado. Of course, the Cardinals were in the chase for that for a while besides the, before the Rockies decided to tell everybody to go elsewhere. <laughs> um, so, you know, that was a really uh, interesting time for the Cardinals fans because uh, if you know anything about the Cardinals, John Mozeliak doesn't like to go out and get big reagents he just uh we just kind of build it within our farm system and somehow we still win games and keep it going so i guess they know something i don't truly know but uh <laughs> but yeah the three-hole hitter paul goldschmidt of course acquired him last year was his first year with the cardinals um great that was a great uh accusation there truthfully uh he's a great community guy great ball player uh he brings the power to the team that you know the cardinals kind of miss out on uh i believe they're also in the bottom third for home runs hit last year which obviously home runs in this day and age especially last year with you know the rumors flying around about the balls being juiced and i mean i guess they weren't really rumors when you saw the spikage of runs and hits and exit velocities you know everything that andy touched on the other day um, I guess it's not really a rumor if you have facts to put behind it. But, yeah, great uh, great accusation there. Um, great guy there in the middle of your lineup. Uh, Paul DeYoung follows him up in the four spot. He's a great great younger player, too. Um, they got him locked up for the next three or four years. Uh, he's also, you know, shown some signs, um, but not truthfully broke out yet. Um, then you, of course, have the veterans Yachty and Dexter Fowler. Yachty's obviously, I, I mean, Andrew, I think no, no doubt he's a hall of fame catcher. Yep. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, absolute stunner behind the plate. Always been, uh, you know, in his later years actually has hit better, uh, than his younger, uh, just kind of pokes the ball out there any way he can. And, and you love to see that from a catcher, uh, especially, you know, someone that's mostly hitting five to seven there. Uh, Dexter Fowler, of course, he's been around the league a little bit. Chicago, uh, Colorado, uh, he was a great acquisition. But since he's been here, uh, truthfully, you know, hasn't played up to par really since he's been here. Um, besides being a great, uh, you know, dugout guy, uh, he really hasn't played well. Um, I'll look real quick. Yeah, again, he hit 238 last year. Um, had 67 RBIs, 19 home runs. So, I mean, not horrible production. Uh, he kind of bounced in and out, uh, missed a few games here and there. Um, but not horrible production. But again, you know, if you look through this Cardinals lineup last year, was mostly a down year for a lot of guys. You see these low 220s, 230s, you know, maybe topping at 240. And, and really... Uh, 
you know, if you've been around baseball for a while, you know that you you really want to be sitting around that 270 to 300 range to be considered, a, you know, a very solid hitter. Um, so, you know, that's the struggle, I believe, with the Cardinals. Uh, but to swing back to this, Tommy Edmond, great young player, filled in last year, proved that he can play anywhere, and um, it's a great addition. Uh, he's another farm system guy. And then the speedster, Harrison Bader, uh, dude has absolute wheels, and uh, I think uh, he keeps more uh, product in his hair than most women, though. Little known fact. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's but, right I, I remember that guy he's got he's got some locks yeah yeah and he like i said he, he can run so he can't help but to see those things bounce around you know in the back of his helmet so <laughs> pretty crazy but yeah um that's that's really uh the uh batting lineup there and uh just a couple other things i really wanted to touch on here um all of the those uh i believe we are we are speaking on paul goldschmidt uh, right now in the simulations, he's 4,000. That's way too high, right? Yeah, I mean, from from a production standpoint, uh, you know, he's a very solid guy. But again, last year, um, you know, had had 34 home runs, 97 RBIs, uh, but hitting that at 260. Um, I believe we touched on it, Andrew. He he was only averaging around 10 fantasy points there on FanDuel last right. year. Um, so yeah, definitely not a guy, uh, a premier guy that I necessarily want to pay up for. Uh, if I'm only going to get, you know, an average of 10, uh, if I'm going to pay that, I want 15, 20, even 30. I want someone with more, more potential, not just, uh, you know, maybe a GPP play. Uh, if you want to pivot on some of the bigger names like Yelich and, Bellinger, who we'll talk about here in a little bit, those kind of guys. But yeah, definitely overpriced for now. I'd say he'd be a lot more comfortable in that three to thirty-two hundred range. Yeah, you know that's a that's a great point making that reference to three thousand. And I, I'm going to just jump to the Dodgers for one second here. I want to compare him to Max Muncie since we're going to be breaking down the Dodgers. Muncie over at first base as well. And in these simulations, he's priced at twenty-nine hundred. And check out this stat comparison. You mentioned Goldschmidt's batting average 260 last year. That's the only stat better than Muncie that I'm going to mention. Muncie was down at 251. But Muncie had 35 home runs, 98 RBI, and an OPS of 889 compared to Goldschmidt's 821. So really slightly better stats overall for Muncie. He only cost 2900 compared to Goldschmidt's 4000 yeah, exactly. I mean, you just touched on which is which is kind of crazy. Uh, obviously, 251 to 260 there on the average, but Muncie, you know, one extra home run and one extra RBI. Obviously, the OPS was quite a bit better. Yeah. But yeah, that's. I mean, to think about that or put it in that perspective, $1,100 difference between those guys. Yeah, give me Muncie all day. All day long. Yes, yes, sir. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, but then. Uh, to touch back on the Cardinals pricing here, for the most part, uh, for hitter-wise, I mean, you're talking Edmund, Bader, Fowler, uh, Yachty, Carpenter, Wong. They're all within the oh, 2,400 to 2,900 range. So really not bad pricing at all for those guys. Uh, again, Colton Wong. Uh, I think I think really with with their hitting with the you know the hitting being down for the Cardinals last year 
we'll have to kind of keep an eye on it. I believe Colton Wong was hitting the 333 average, uh, seven for 21, if I'm right there, Andrew, for the spring training. So again, um, kind of a short time span there, short sample size, um, but a solid start and something you know you can hope that he uh, carries into the uh, the regular season. Yeah, definitely. You're right. It's 3.33 so far in spring training and a guy that's got um, that much pop in the leadoff spot, like you were talking about earlier, really good value at, at 2,400 right now on FanDuel. And um, yeah, DeYoung, De another guy that another number that jumps out at me is his 30 home runs and he's priced at 2,700. Um, he averages almost as many fantasy points on FanDuel, or he did last year, uh, compared to Goldschmidt. Um, and, of course, I would expect Goldschmidt to have a better year this year, average-wise. So I'm not saying that he's going to be extremely overpriced once we get going. But um, just numbers that jumped out at me as you were going through them. Yeah, for sure. I mean, again, I I would say the staples or, you know, easy plays. Obviously, if they adjust Goldschmidt here a little bit or you end up landing with 4K left, uh, you could plug him in there. Other than that, uh, for a consistency standpoint or even just, you know, having that little bit of pop, uh, DeYoung's always been, uh, you know, since he's he's got some majors, he's always had that pop in his bat. He's always had that home run potential and same thing with Colton Wong that you touched on. He, he's the same way from the left side there. Uh, he has some good power and, and it's almost sneaky power. Um, like you said, he has a long swing. Um, so a lot of times that that's a different timing than, you know, guys that are going straight to the ball there, um, driving their hands to it. Um, but yeah, other than that, uh, I wouldn't really touch many people again. Tommy Edmond was great there at the last half of the year. Harrison Bader's fun to watch. Um, steals, steals with him. Uh, like I said, he's a good, he can run, which is definitely something to look at. But you know, like you guys touched on, uh, or maybe that was Mike. Uh, I'm not going to bet on a guy getting a steal. I would much rather go with his hitting stats and what he's going to do with that. Yeah, exactly. I think Coach got into that as well. So, all right, great stuff. Um, Let's transition over to the Dodgers, as it is still Jackie Robinson Day here late on the 15th. Um, And just a little bit surprising with the way their season ended up last year. Of course, they had 106 wins, one of four teams, believe it or not, that got 100 wins last year. That's the first time that's ever happened in the regular season. And and they really just got to be just chomping at the bit to get another shot at the playoffs after what happened with the Astros and that whole scandal. Um, but they made some monster moves to, you know, make sure they they get it done the next time we get a postseason, picking up Mookie Betts and, and David Price. So we'll get into that here in, in a bit. Um, I'll start with the pitchers since you did the same. And one change, uh, one change worth mentioning with the pitchers is actually the pitching coach. It's going to be Mark Pryor taking over for Rick Honeycutt, who was there for over a decade. And Mark Pryor, certainly great pitching experience himself. 
And a bit of a shakeup with the Dodgers rotation. They lost Rich Hill and Ryu to free agency. They traded away Maeda. So um, that was part of the reason they needed to get Price in there. But they've got that guy named Clayton Kershaw, and they had announced in March that he was going to be the opening opening day starter again, just getting the nod over uh, Walker Bueller, who's certainly deserving. But Kershaw is coming off a bit of a down year for him, where his ERA, ERA jumped to 3.03, but he still went 16-5, and um, kind of in and out of the lineup with injuries, only got 28 starts, didn't quite get to 200 strikeouts, a number he, he has hit seven times before. He's even gotten to 300 Ks once. Um, I saw a stat that his exit velocity was up a little bit. Um, so, uh, you know, you got to start to be a little bit concerned as he gets going into his 30s. Um, but still that great whip, 1.04. So um, I look for Kershaw to uh, to be a strong option, especially if, if the other batters don't know what's coming. Um, next is Walker Bueller, young stud, 14 and four last year, got 30 starts, uh, slowly getting more and more innings pitched as he, as he gets going with his career, got over 200 strikeouts, nice 10.6 strikeouts per nine innings. And you get that potential bonus on DraftKings that Mike Apache was talking about. He led the league last year with two complete games, so it doesn't happen very often to get those two and a half points, but some, something worth noting for DraftKings. Next guy in the – what's that? Yeah, isn't that crazy, a stat like that, only two, and that leads the whole league? <laughs> yeah, that, that just tells you we're in 2020 here. We're not in 1960, that's for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, next in the rotation is David Price coming over from Boston. And we touched on it a little bit earlier. I, I like I'd like to target him early in the season just because he's in a new league, and I, I think pitchers have the advantage there. He is 34. He's had a couple down years. Really didn't live up to the contract in Boston. Also had some clubhouse issues. Um, went after Dennis Eckersley in the media. Another pitching legend. So. Um, if if you're a fan of David Price, you gotta you gotta hope that he's gonna take advantage of this new environment and and you know be excited about a fresh start. Um, even though his ERA went to 4.28 last year, he can still mow down batters with the best of them. He, his strikeout rate he had 10.7 strikeouts per nine innings last year, so uh, it's another reason why. I, I'll take a shot on him, uh, especially on FanDuel. Bottom two guys in the rotation are also lefties. We've got Alex Wood, who's coming back from Cincinnati after playing for the Dodgers earlier. And last year was tough for him. He only got seven starts, 35 innings pitched. Um, so I look for him to get back to the type of production he had the two years before that in L.A., where he averaged more than 10 wins, and let's see, two years ago he had 27 starts, got you 150 innings, uh, only 135 strikeouts. So I guess what you might expect from a fourth or fifth starter. Uh, 
And then the last guy is Ureas. And you got to be excited about him. Young guy, only 23. And ERA of 2.49 last year. Only started eight games. But off to a good start in spring with a zero ERA. Um, so, you know, tough pitching staff. And, and you might you might figure that for a team that won 106 and added David Price. Uh, they are they are not pitchers in general that I'm going to target. Do you look no. at it? You look at it any differently, Leighton? No, I'm completely there with you, Andrew. I mean, obviously we kind of see how the flow of the game goes when they get back, but just on paper, yeah, that's not not someone I'm looking to target. Um, I mean, David Price, you know, I feel like he's kind of been a staple in the pitching game for a while now. Uh, well known guy. And then Walker Bueller, uh, you know, I'm not a huge Dodgers fan being a Cardinals fan, but mm-hmm. Walker Bueller, Bueller and uh, Urias, both those guys you touched on, I believe Bueller's sitting at 25 years old, Urias at 23. I mean, that's something to definitely be excited about if you're if you're a Dodgers fan. Yeah, and that's a really nice nice mix with the veterans, Kershaw and Price. So uh, that's going to be a, a rotation that is uh, going to be tough to deal with. And they've got a lot of big names in the bullpen, too. You know, Kenley Jansen had has had some trouble recently with some blown saves. Uh, ERA up up to 3.71 last year. Um, so that'll be a real big turning point for him and, and the team. Can, they, can he get some velocity back? Can he figure it out late? Because uh, I know I, I'm not a Dodgers fan, but I was getting nervous watching him come into games in, in recent postseasons, just not being confident that he was going to get the job done. And they did pick up Blake Trinan, who two years ago was almost unhittable for Oakland. Uh, ERA under one, 38 saves. But then last year he dipped down to 16 saves. So uh, those are two really nice options to have in the bullpen for guys that have strong experience closing it out. You know, and then you got guys like Joe Kelly, who also has come over from Boston and can throw gas. So, you know, in general, um, I'm not going to be targeting batters against the Dodgers unless it's a specific matchup where a guy has a really strong history against a certain pitcher. But um, again, these guys, you know, to win 106 games, you got to have a strong pitching staff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, funny fact about Joe Kelly, you know, he, he was with the Cardinals went to the Red Sox and then now plays for the Dodgers. So it's kind of funny how that little rotation went there with what we're touching on tonight. That's right. He's tying um, this tying the show together. Yeah. But uh, to touch on the, on the bullpen there a little bit with you um, with the, uh, I'm sorry, the athletics uh, pitcher you trying, were talking about there. Trying to, you know, yeah. With him and, and Jansen, you have to wonder, you know, does that bring competition there or has Jansen been a, a staple in, in LA long enough that, he gets that or, you know, are they bringing him in to maybe step in for Jansen? If, you know, like he said, he struggled last year, you had that problem again and you just plug him right in. Yeah. I think Jansen has the, the cachet, the experience, the, the veteran status where they'll give him the first shot, especially since Trinan was a bit down last year. Uh, I haven't seen anything to the contrary, but I would think that Dave Roberts would be ready to make that switch pretty early on if 
if Jansen just doesn't seem to be on top of his game, um, you know, and and really it's a it's a luxury for Dave Roberts to be have to have that many guys in the bullpen who he could turn to to close it out, and you know he could always give Jansen a week or two off, um, you know, say he has a tired arm or something, and and then see how Trinan does. But uh, in general, I think it's a good problem to have. Oh yeah, absolutely. And like like you said, even even in a you know maybe a non-save situation, you throw Trinan in there to get that ninth inning uh you know look and then give Jansen a little break there and but like you said, I mean, what a problem to have and then, you know, they there might be several games this year where, you know, with that tough starting rotation and then these hitters you're about to about to touch on where they might not have much of a game in those later innings. And, you know, you might have a chance to throw in some younger guys and see what they got. Yeah, you're right. Maybe not as many save opportunities as you'd like if the games aren't very close, but you know, you got me thinking another thing they could do is just not roll Jansen out there for every single save opportunity, you know, just give him a bit of a break and not, you know, they don't need to have him go out there and pitch 70 games in the season, you know, they can rely on these other guys and just let Jansen have more rest in between appearances. So he comes out firing. Yeah, for sure. All right, great. Well, let's, let's transition to the Dodgers hitters. Uh, A lot of fun in this group, a lot of pop, just big bats everywhere. It's going to be an embarrassment of riches. If they get Mookie Betts at the top of the order, you know, a lot of people are having fun on Twitter talking about if the season gets canceled, then, you know, it's going to count as a service year and then he'll be a free agent. He may never play for the Dodgers, but I, I have a feeling we're <laughs> going to we're going to get some games in. He's going to play for the Dodgers and there might not be any stopping them because, you know, he's he, he was what the MVP in 2018 in the AL didn't have the crazy numbers last year. Twenty nine homers, 80 RBI, but um, over over 900 on the OPS and um didn't have a great spring, but I, I read that at one point he was dealing with food poisoning. So, uh, you know, I'm confident that he'll be ready to go once we get started up again. Um, and, you know, before I forget, in these simulations, he's at 3,100. So, once again, just amazing savings compared to Paul, Paul Goldschmidt. Um, of course, Mookie Betts also has the speed element. He got 16 stolen bases last year. So, I'll, I'll play Mookie Betts at 3,100 all day. And as I mentioned, next guy in the order, Max Muncy, at 2,900 and 35 homers, 98 RBI, like we talked about. Uh, that's a great value. And what a story, Max Muncy. Didn't play in the majors in 17, came back, and now he's had two years in a row with 35 homers, only 29 years old. And I, uh, one stat I noticed that was really impressive is the splits when he bats against lefties and righties. He's actually very good against lefties. Um, hit plenty of home runs against them. So he's not a guy that I would shy away from in that matchup. And I would, ex- last year he got 487 at bats. I would expect that he'll play even more this year and be well over 500. And uh, he's going to be a force for sure. Next guy in the lineup is Justin Turner. And in these simulations, he's priced the same as Max Muncy at 2,900. And I, I'm going to shy away from Turner if uh, if that trend continues as we get into the regular season. He just doesn't have the numbers that Muncy did. He had much better batting average at 290, but 
uh, eight fewer home runs, 31 fewer RBI. Turner only had 67 RBIs last year. Um, but, you know, Turner was, um, you know, very solid guy. Um, nothing to shake a stick at it as a number three hitter. He is 35, so getting a little bit older, but um, he certainly is uh, a key part to uh, the Dodgers' success in recent years. The cleanup hitter, now there's a guy that I'll spend 4000 on, and he's actually only priced at 3800 in these simulations. That's Cody Bellinger coming off an MVP season where he had 47 bombs, 115 knocked in, batted over 300, gave you 15 steals. Um, just phenomenal, really. And, you know, I've never big, been a big fan of Cody Bellinger, but I did like in spring training this year how he came out so strong against the Astros. Because you know, he's like, I get the vibe sometimes with him that he's just Mr. Cool, but he was really serious about that topic and just basically telling him it wasn't, you know, unacceptable and they need to apologize. And um, I, I gained some respect for Bellinger there. What, what are your thoughts on him? Yeah, you know, Andrew, I think that's kind of just the West Coast vibe kind of deal there. Uh, you know, like you're saying with his attitude and kind of his demeanor. Um, but yeah, I think there was a there was a lot, uh, quite a few people that took a really strong uh, stance. Uh, I believe it wasn't it Trevor Bauer that was tipping off his pitches yep. during the game. I mean, to me, I I was rolling around in my chair when I saw that. I thought that was <laughs> hilarious. But I mean, to a lot of those guys, I mean, I mean, think about that from a standpoint of a player, or you know, me and you, we both played ball. You played at the minor league level. Um, just anybody that's, you know, ever enjoyed baseball, how disrespectful that is to the game, um, you know, a game that has a lot of history and you have to go out there and do that. And nonetheless, with a team with that much dang talent. Right. I mean, to me, that's that's just absolutely it's it's unreal. And I don't think their uh, punishment is near tough enough and a lot of guys in the league have spoken on that like you said bellinger and stuff like that but to, to me an apology doesn't necessarily you know win anything back and yeah a lot of those dodgers guys were absolutely pissed yeah and they have every right to be i mean they very well could have been world series champs if not for all those shenanigans so um yeah that'll be one storyline that we sort of forgotten a little bit about with the stoppage in play but uh, that's going to be a real key dynamic to the season is to, to watch the Astros interact with uh, all of their opponents. So um, that'll be entertaining at the least. Um, all right, let's go to number five in the lineup, and that's likely to be Corey Seager. 25-year-old, and he was just shy of 20 homers, and he's a pretty good price right now. He's 2300 and he led the league with 44 doubles uh, in just under 500 at-bats. Off to a good start in the spring, 385, 10 for 26. So he's a guy that I would pay 2300 for, um, you know, pay down, get some exposure to the Dodgers lineup. And everybody in that lineup is going to get a little boost in runs being part of that offensive juggernaut. So he's a guy I would consider. Not so much for the next guy, Jock Peterson, who I like. I mean, he, he's like the definition of a slugger. 
36 bombs, 450 at-bats, and he only batted 249. Uh, one of the best slugging percentages on the team at 538 last year, only behind Bellinger and Will Smith, who's coming up next. But Peterson's priced at 3500 so no doubt in my mind I'm going to pay the extra 300 for Bellinger or, or spend down for a guy like Muncie. And I did want to mention that Jock Peterson hasn't gotten any official at-bats yet in the spring due to a hip injury, but he was working his way back, uh, getting some you know, minor league at-bats, simulated at-bats. So he should be ready to go once we're up and running. Yeah, just to, just to tune in on uh, Peterson there for a second. I don't know if you remember when he came in the league – he was not a very a very big dude, uh, you know, thickness wise. Uh, and now he's put on some weight. Yeah, I mean that guy. Uh, I mean he can knock it out of the yard with the best of them. I mean we've seen him just go nuts in the home run derbies. And I'm looking him up right now. He's listed at six one two twenty. Yeah, he's got some pop. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I I just like I said, I remember when he first uh, started there in the for the Dodgers. Uh, and started making some appearances, you know, he was he was kind of like a lot of people are when they're first getting into the league. They're a lot smaller. Um, and I don't know if that was work in the gym or uh, if he just kind of decided, to, you know, hey, I'm going to go for these home runs. I'm going to throw on a little extra weight, put a little more in this ball. Right. Well, it is it is the trend uh, of the of the uh, the decade, so to speak, uh, the last few years. Um you know, last year, again, was the record-setting number of home runs hit across Major League Baseball. And Peterson is one of those sluggers that is happy to contribute to that total. Yeah, I mean, I guess we don't truthfully have anything to worry about until he starts looking like Pablo Sandoval. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's not he's not that uh, not in that weight situation yet. <laughs> so uh, seven hitter is projected to be Will Smith who was a rookie last year, and you talk about some pop, 15 home runs and only 170 at-bats. So 8.8% of that, of his at-bats went for home runs. That's an excellent rate, and he only cost 2,500, averaged 11.38 fantasy points on FanDuel last year. That's another great value play. Um, cold start in the spring, but uh, I'm excited about investing in him once we get started in the regular season. And then the regular second baseman looks like it'll be Gavin Lux. They will, uh, you know, get one of these young guys some experience. Didn't do too much last year in his 75 at-bats, only hit 240. So I won't, won't be investing in him anytime soon. But, you know, we, we talked about, uh, you know, the embarrassment of riches in the lineup and, what a great starting staff they have. These guys have some strong guys off the bench too. So I got three guys here I want to want to mention as potential platoon guys. AJ Pollock, who's likely going to play some left field and replace Jock Peterson against righties. Uh, sorry, against lefties. Uh, he had 15 home runs last year and only 308 at bats. So um, you know he's a he's a decent potential play. And then Kike Hernandez, one of these utility guys um, who seems to have more skill 
really and, and versatility than crazy, you know, uh, numbers in terms of DFS. You know, he did manage 17 home runs last year, but only four stolen bases, barely over 300 on base percentage. So I don't think I'll go to him much. And then finally, Chris Taylor, who may sort of be on the outside looking in as a utility guy. Numbers down to 262 last year. Got a bunch of at-bats, over 360. But just sort of an average performer with 12 homers and 52 RBI. So um, I guess, you know, none of those numbers really jump off the page for those bench players. But again, if somebody gets hurt and they're going to be involved in this lineup on a more regular basis then it's just much easier to pile up the runs in the RBI when you're in this lineup. So that uh, that wraps up my general thoughts about the Dodgers hitters. Leighton, did you have any other thoughts on any of those guys? Oh, no, just a, I guess just a touch on the bench there that you mentioned. Chris Taylor, he's been a great utility guy for them for quite a while now. Uh, like you said, from a DFS standpoint, not really someone that just pops off the page, but he's always been someone that goes in there and does a solid job on, you know, with the bat and with the glove. And, uh, you know, that's just something I've always noticed about him. Uh, you definitely appreciate those utility guys that get in there and just get it done. Uh, they actually have another utility guy, uh, Jed Jericho down there uh, from the Cardinals. He uh, does a great job at second, third, uh, plays a little first base, I believe, too. Um, I would definitely look for, for him to, to uh, maybe make a little splash or, or get a little bit of time then, uh, especially with if they have any injuries there. Absolutely. And speaking of utility guys, you're like our utility guy at DFS Coach Talk. You do a little bit of everything on the on the business side. And on the podcast side, so uh, had a lot of fun with you here today, Layton. Any final thoughts here before we wrap up? Uh, no, not really. I just kind of want to touch again on on the Discord, and uh, like Andrew said, I, I get involved with a lot of things we have here. I've been having fun doing these podcasts, kind of learning as we go here, uh, doing what I can do. Um, yeah, but if if you are interested in the Discord or interested in you know an in-depth talk with any of us, uh, you can reach me on Twitter at DFS underscore Layton. That's at DFS underscore L-A-Y-T-O-N. Shoot me a message, shoot me a question, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, Right now our memberships are frozen, so I can send you that invite to our Discord, get you in there uh, after you get that membership uh, acquired. And, you know, we have, uh, we we speak on it all the time, but, truthfully mean that we have a great group of guys um that are members in our discord right now uh you know we all we all throw a little shade at each other during the competitions um some more than other coach um (laughs) but yeah man it's a lot of fun and uh, like i've enjoyed this journey so far and i just can't wait till we get back to sports or you know at least keep getting these little bit of little bit of news to give us a little more and more hope as we go on here Absolutely. So definitely give uh, Leighton a follow there at on Twitter. Nothing but positive stuff at uh, DFS underscore Leighton. You can give me a follow at Language Olympic and you can find the whole crew at DFS Coach Talk. And that's going to do it for today. We will be back again tomorrow. It's going to be Coach and Andy 
scheduled to discuss the Pirates and Reds as we get uh, deeper into the NL Central. So uh, that'll do it for tonight. Thank you again for joining us here. On behalf of Leighton Wilson, I am Andrew Hansen, and be sure to tune in again tomorrow for the next episode of DFS Coach Talk.